Hello and welcome back to the Tune Lighting Podcast, the podcast where we are attempting to write and record a studio album from scratch um, in just one year. Uh, I'm joined, as always, with my co-host and bandmate, Jack Edwards. Hey, Jack. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, The sun is still is still shining here uh, in uh, in England, uh, despite it being September. Um Physically, maybe not metaphorically, with uh, <laughs> with all the news that we're still not allowed to leave our house and mix with other people. I really thought by this stage of the process that we'd be doing some actual band studio time. If I wanted to write an album on my own, I could have could have done that. <laughs> done that. The fact that we're doing this as a joint production effort, I thought that by now we've got some demos down quite far down the line that we'd be spending some time at the same time in the same place but law still in the uk does not allow <laughs> so we're still remotely collaborating as we discussed in that early episode i really thought remote collaboration would be uh would only be in the early stages but here we are needs must <laughs> indeed hopefully come april that will have changed but the way things are going you never do know <laughs> there yeah so yeah, I mean, we're, what we've been asked by quite a few people now <laughs> on uh, messages, either by email or in person or uh, on social media, is that we've been neglecting actually giving updates on the music. We seem to have got lost in our brains um, talking about the theory and uh, we're not showing enough of the actual the actual output i guess <laughs> so firstly apologize apologies for that we've got uh we've got kind of distracted in in many ways on the podcast but the um the reality is we have still been carrying on behind the scenes making the music so we decided it was time we did an episode to um make amends for that uh, and to actually start looking at some of the music again we're going to um, go in more so... depth more depth than you could possibly want on a on a particular track yeah you ask careful what you wish for listeners yeah i mean (laughs) obviously it's i think we're probably both kind of reluctant to share things before they're finished as anyone who creates stuff is but we also think it would be useful um to people listening to this to find out a little bit about our process and how we're getting on yeah, I think that's a, something that most musicians out there can probably relate to is sharing anything before it's finished is very tricky and something I was really bad at and for, and still am quite bad at. Um, and whenever I do share anything with a friend, it's always caveated heavily with, this is just a demo. Don't listen too carefully to those vocals. It's just a demo. Uh, but yeah, we did open up ourselves um to, by doing this podcast to kind of to show stuff going down along the line and we need to put that vulnerability aside and just uh, accept that this is what the people want and that's fine <laughs> so yeah as, as jack said we're gonna really go all out and uh, we're going to look at a track that we have been working on uh, actually it's mainly jack that's been uh, this is one of jack's tracks that he started uh, and obviously it's not finished it's not uh, ready to go on the album yet but we think this is probably one of the tracks where we've gone we've both gone that sounds like something that we would quite be quite happy with on the album or it's definitely heading in the right direction wouldn't you say yeah i think we've refined our view a little bit from the start on where we want it to go and this is this track is an example of that um, and what was the 
What was the working title of this? The current title of this song is I Make Lists, uh, which came about once I'd written some lyrics for it. Before that, the project was called Behemoth Experiments. Uh, and and that title okay. was, well, I'll explain that in a second. So Jack, would you like to play, just play us a short clip of uh, yeah where this track is at at the moment? So that's a little clip of I Make Lists, which, as I was saying, began life as Behemoth Experiments. It all came about just from messing around with my synth, my Korg Minilog XD, and specifically trying to create uh, presets. Uh, okay. 90% of the songs I've been recording have that have synth parts have just been using the presets I've made because I like the idea of that. Yeah. Because A, it adds a bit of consistency between the songs because inevitably I'll use some of the same sounds again. And B, I like the fact that nobody has ever used exactly the same sound, most likely. Nobody's ever got the exact same combination of settings. Mm. Got all the dials in the right, at the right angle. Um, so Wabby Sabby, as we talked about last week, the un- uniqueness and uh, originality that we've kind of said we find, we find quite... It's- becoming more and more important to us we realize yeah i think to maybe to get a unique hole if the parts themselves are unique then that's a probably a good starting point i think well that's definitely the way i've been looking at mm. it so you just sat down one day and went i want to create some new synth sounds that uh, you weren't going you it wasn't i'm going to sit down and write a song it was more not specifically no not specifically i think yeah. and I, I probably assumed if i found one i liked then i would start making a song with it um yeah but so you're basically having a bit of a jam i guess kind of, of yeah but uh, <laughs> less about the, the notes i'm playing and more about how those notes sound yeah and i came up with this really huge bassy sounding synth preset which i called behemoth hence behemoth experiments was the, the original name uh, of the track it all makes sense the chords although they're just single notes for chord progression that you hear, uh, just heard on I Make Lists remains, that is that bass track. Uh, so if I could just play a bit of that. Most of the effects on that are are in the synth. I've had a bit of an EQ on it just to cut the, yeah. the top end off to make it sound a little bit more focused, I guess. Yeah. So you've yeah you've really kind of I'm just looking at it in the in Ableton. You've kind of you've really just left the bass frequencies in there. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, it's already quite quite a chaotic sound. I think it's not clean. There's a bit of evolution. A bit of uh, how do you describe it? A bit of tremolo in there, maybe the way the note doesn't quite hold its uh, hold its perfect form. 
Yeah, like an undulating... Um, undulating is a good word, yeah. Yeah, undulating bass sounds that kind of... It's it's primarily two two notes, really, but it's uh, a lot more than that because it kind of... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it two... undulates up and down between the two notes. It's two notes, and then it goes to a different two notes, um, which became a chorus. I found that little progression, those effectively four notes, four chords, carried through the majority of the songs. So I thought they were quite strong. Uh, and they also flip between the two quite quickly. So each course and each verse is here quite short, which is not the way I usually mm. um, have written in the past. But Yeah, it, as a sound, it definitely sets the, the tone. It's the definitely the foundation. Um, it's quite ominous. Yeah. I would say. It is. Um, and it, in, in its way, it's, I mean, it's very it's deep. It's... It, yeah and it, it's it's the kind of the one two like is is quite um yeah it's it's kind of like something you might get in a in a horror not a horror horror movie that kind of it creates suspense and, and tension in a way because it's just like one i mean two, yeah it's just it's one, go, just going two, up like, and down one one semitone yeah. which is usually quite a an ominous progression yeah right so you started you so you had the bass well, you had the you were playing around with that. Got my Behemoth bass, and then I wanted some top end, and I've got I found something which was, it might even have been the same sound, it might be the same preset, just a few octaves higher, uh, and it's this kind of really high, piercing synth lead sound, but I thought was quite striking. It sounds like this. It mirrors the bass in a way with the two notes, and it's just it, you're building up the soundscape, adding more of the sonic spectrum. Yeah, unfortunately, I decide I I like that, but I thought I'd, something almost too messy about it. Too, mm. I don't know what it was about it, but I decided to get rid of that from the front, and that instead comes in uh, towards the end of a track and one of the later choruses now as a kind of okay to boost it up um and instead i replaced it with something simpler something a bit less shrill but still kind of dissonant which is another preset on my synth i've made which i quite like called foggy i'll play it dry So it's quite like a, a, it reminded me a bit of a, an organ. Yeah, it's got a kind of organ tone to it. It almost sounds like a flute to me in places. Um, yeah, it's um, it's quite airy. Uh, there's, a, there's almost a, breath, a feeling of breath. Yeah. In there. And then I added, I added some chorus, some delay, some reverb. So yeah, when you add the reverb in, it really becomes even more. Well, it amplifies that breathiness um, and space. Yeah, it sounds quite otherworldly, um, which complements the, uh, the kind of bass sound. But also, I think it's a bit more, a bit more naive, sympathetic, for want of better words. Basically, it's not as it's not as ominous. It's kind of almost comforting in a an unhinged sort of way. Yeah. Uh, and that very simple synth um, melody 
informed the vocal melody when I wrote it in the chorus. They kind of follow each other to a certain extent. Okay. So when you were building up the structure, had you, with the bass line, you said you started with that first, did you write just the first part or did you write the entire song on the bass first no, and I then did, build up? No, I didn't write yeah. the entire song. I wrote um, those kind of two sections. Um, two main sections. Two main right. sections. And I found that they just flowed into each other verse to chorus, back to verse, back to chorus, kind of really naturally. And I think that happens, especially when you're building with loops. It's very easy to get stuck in just doing the same parts, repeating and repeating. But I did yeah. feel that these two parts were a bit bit stronger and it lent themselves more to just kind of rolling into each other than some of the other songs I've written where a bit more invention probably would have been helpful. Uh, so I just had those two parts. I had a third part, which again is just two more notes. Uh, so that that comes in later in the song as just a little, quite short bridge. Um, but that that's it. Uh, so I guess once I had a couple of verses and choruses, I was like, well, how is how is this going to flesh out into a full song? And what I mm. usually do at that point is try to think about lyrics and what I want the story of the song to be, um, how many verses, that kind of thing. Uh, so probably around that time, I started trying to write some lyrics. So with it that early on, in the, so before you'd even thought about percussion and rhythm, really, you you were into the lyric writing stage. I was definitely, I definitely would have been thinking about it at that point though I imagine because it can sometimes take me a while to write them I imagine I put the drums in before I've noticed the songs in 4-8 timing any reason for that what 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 why <laughs> yeah that is a good question um I guess there'll be a reason for it but I can't remember what that reason is I don't know if it's why 4-8 why not 4-4? Four, four? <laughs> I don't know if it's something about the way that Ableton kind of grids grids for tracks. So, I, you know, if I had more kind of quavers to work with, it would be easier to sort of match things up and see where things line up. I'm not sure. I don't know if it's yeah. a, a musical <laughs> explanation for that. I'd lo- <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a song written in 4-8. So that's... Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll do some digging later on and try and find some kind of an explanation, but... I think that's just an accident, really. So I got a couple of uh, parts, an A and B part. I'd got a couple of instruments, a couple of synth sounds, which I think they sort of combine a kind of mechanical distorted edge with something a bit more celestial, maybe. Um, All these kind of weird sounds that I'm quite interested in. And And something we've discussed is kind of shaping a lot of our sounds at the moment um is yeah mechanical is a word that keeps coming up i don't know if that's the right one but very industrial <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way like now we've found a label for it it's kind of that's something to fall back on but i think it's you know describes yeah. describes the sound fairly well and this, especially the drums um one thing i already had which we've mentioned 
more times than I can count on my podcast is this um, <laughs> set of drum sounds. That you've built up, basically. Samples. Yeah, I've recorded from hitting bottles and things in the kitchen and then felt free to play with them as I like, um, adding distortions and reverbs and changing the pitch of them. So I just delved into that little library again, found some sounds and made a little little drum pattern out of them, which is quite Tom-heavy. I mean, do you want to play some of the the sounds individually first and then kind of build it up? Sure. So, I mean, you as a drummer, you're kind of, you grew up playing the drums. Yeah. You're always looking for certain types of sound, aren't you, I guess, that mimic. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, I do, I do tend to try and get myself a kick first and I usually follow that up with some kind of snare, some kind of hi-hat. And after that, if I add percussive things that don't necessarily sound like drums, that's fine. But I do like to start with something that resembles a kick drum, which is usually my uh, plastic olive oil bottle, um, <laughs> which in this case, I mean, can we play it dry? So it's, yeah, it's just a nondescript thud, really. Um, pitched it down 15 semitones and then added a bit of EQ to kind of boost the bass and get rid of the high end. And then it sounds like this. Nice. Could be a kick drum. Yeah. I think you can kind of hear where it cuts off. I think um, that's quite a feature of these home recorded sample drums is what they sound very staccato um, and quite synthetic, I guess. But I think that's that's I like that there. I think... Yeah, I think it helps create the the kind of sound that is perpetuating through various tracks uh, that you've we've been writing so far. Um, it's almost sounds robotic, um, which some people may would not like because they want, it doesn't sound like like a real drum kit. But I think that adds to the to the sound and the feel of it. Um, yeah, so do I, and I think it it complements the the synth sounds um, that are going on as well. Uh, so I've got a, a hi-hat sound, which has been changed quite a lot. It was originally just the sound of a beer can being hit. Dry, it sounds like this. Very nondescript tinny sounds. Uh, I put a bit of chorus on, a bit of distortion, and most importantly, some quite uh, long delay, which gives it the effect of being hit a lot more times than it's actually being hit. So you get a, a little more syncopation. Interesting. So you, yeah, you cre- it's creating its own rhythm by using yeah, which um, almost feels like cheating in a way. But I mean, I, I got got over <laughs> no. that fear, uh, and it sounds like this. It could be someone hitting same uh, can or same hi-hat multiple times but it's got kind of subtle differences in um in volume the way it kind of drops off and places emphasis on the first beat um which is quite cool and mm. helps with the momentum of the thing that's not a it's not like a random a random delay or anything is it no like it's, it's, it's play a diff- differently every time you play no it's not one of those it's um ping-ponging around it is a kind of st- a, a regular filter um yeah okay filter 
that is a very interesting way to um to make a a hi hat line and uh yeah it's effective i like it yeah it's one of those things you can do in the studio where if you just press the right button add the right effect it instantly (laughs) makes a sound a lot more complex and interesting and it can take the song yeah potentially in a different direction sometimes where you take a by surprise i like those moments those moments in in producing music are my favorite moments yeah it's those little happy accidents what it's all about and i'm sure i wasn't planning to i'm sure i didn't know what i was doing when i uh, put the effect on to begin with but i decided i'd keep it and i think it sounds decent so you've got the hi-hat you've got a bass uh what other elements have you got to this drum kit that you built up i guess you got a snare I must have a snare. Let me find it. This was a little uh, container of salt being hit. <laughs> nice. And it was like the kind of the chunky sea salt. So it's already got that kind of snare thing where it's got a little rattle to it. Uh, so I guess that's why I, I chose it for a snare sound. Um, dry, it sounds like this. Not dissimilar to any of the other percussive sounds, really. But then I added some distortion, which I do quite a lot to well, all the drums, really, but especially the snare to really make it crackle a bit and mm. a bit of EQ, and then it sounds a lot different. Nice. So it's kind of like you know, someone backing their car into a wall or something in a garage um, <laughs> it's got this really kind of harsh explosive snare sound and i think yeah i think dist- the distortion really adds i think distortion on all the drums is will be a fa- feature i'm feeling of the drum sound yeah i think so album. i think so it's something i'm a big fan of at the moment and again it's got that thing where especially in isolation you can hear it cuts off you know without ringing out naturally um and that's again sort of become part of the sound the stop start nature of it cool so the last part of the um the drum kit will be the toms uh all of them come from the same sample which is uh aldi cola bottle other other cola bottles are available available. um (laughs) and it's good because it sounds i think that's one that sounds most like a drum specifically a tom uh just dry when i recorded it it's got that kind of reverb to it kind of sounds like a drum already added again a bit of distortion almost sounds like a gong there um <laughs> it's heavy it's very heavy it definitely adds to them I mean, when you hear the, the track in full it that tom sound i think is what brings it makes this track sound very kind of heavy from a percussion side of things so i will just play the full drum kit sound with multiple toms all kind of tuned down to different frequencies to you know simulate a low tom a floor tom a high tom i did actually have a little play around um with uh, some of the EQ and the mixing on the tom. Oh, yeah. Because you, you've got so many toms going on that I that I do like how the drums are kind of just massive wall of sound. 
Um, they are, yeah, they, cool. they are but a I bit messy though. It could do with a bit more clarity. They compete a bit, and I've, so yeah, and it's something. I mean, I haven't really spent a lot of time on it. It's something that will get ironed out in the mixing process for sure. But I've spent a little bit of time on the EQ on the toms, trying to tame some of the. There's a few little harsh elements that have obviously crept in just from when you because obviously if you add like a filter and distortion you're distorting that you're bringing the whole sound up so you're not just the elements you want but the elements that you yeah. don't want as well uh, and there's this kind of there's quite a kind of rattly almost constant buzz in the background i noticed particularly on the tom so i've done a bit of eq on that to kind of to bring just to because I, I don't want to get rid of the entire kind of wall of sound um element of which we think the distortion brings to this kind of really heavy drum kit sound but equally you don't want it to get too messy so something that will we can work on more and more as as we mix it more and more but yeah just that's something that's, mess that's good with. to hear i mean i should say before i started this project this album project i had zero experience in eq um and it's something <laughs> i've just i've kind of learned the very basics um in terms of boosting up the bass frequencies for mm. bass sounds and getting rid of the high end sometimes but in terms of pinpointing specific frequencies to get rid of or to enhance i've not really done a lot of that yeah it's called eq sweeping uh it's a common technique in mixing and if essentially if there's a sound that you can hear that you're not sure or you don't want or you want to get rid of you just isolate a small peak mm-hmm. Uh, in the EQ, re- boost the peak and, and sweep it backwards and forwards across the spectrum until you hear that sound that you don't want really loud. And then at that exact point, you then dip it right down. slightly. So yeah, you get you get rid of that uh, that bit of sound. So I look forward to hearing what you've done. Um, we, can, we, can, we can play some now and you can hear the difference. So as you were building the drums up, did you start with the you put, lay the kick down first, and then do you have like a standard way you kind of you build uh, up yeah, to, I will, to the toms I will, the last thing to be added? Uh, it'll <laughs> always be the kick first. Um, yeah. Usually the foundation. Yeah, usually kick, hi hat, snare um, are the first three. To be honest, usually those three are the only things in place for a long time, unless I have a specific. Um, idea for a full uh, drum pattern then that would just be something that kind of keeps the beat i mean it will be later on when i realize oh yeah i should probably actually add some an actual drum part here rather than just you know one one kick drum every bar or whatever it is um so yeah. i have to actually think about where the toms go if it's going to be toms um so i think the little dum 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 descending tom hits descending tom would have come yeah would have come a bit later on interesting so beyond that that's the basis of the song really and then i had various parts um higher parts over a top which i had to decide and still have to decide really when they're coming in uh for maximum effect mm. what's going to be kind of a mainstay to help drive the song forward and what's going to be towards the end for added impact current version could probably do with a few tweaks in that respect i can play some of the sounds i have one of which is a guitar (laughs) 
so there's a kind of basic distorted guitar um just again a bit messy but i don't mind that too much because it uh ties in with the the bass and the kind of chaotic nature of it all mm. so you so you were just thinking i want to be building up to something that i'll add in yeah another element that's going to come in at some point and keep building towards the the crescendo i guess so yeah i wasn't necessarily sure it was going to build throughout the whole song but definitely between the intro and the peak so you know a basic go-to is just power chords on a guitar um something we used to that would be something we used a lot when we first started in our band um i think i maybe went off them completely uh for a while but now trying to bring them back in a bit more sparingly and re- realize that actually no, they can sound good. They can uh, they can boost the song. Yeah, and I think it's good to get it in there as a a placeholder. Um, it signals at this demo stage we want to increase energy here in this kind of way. I've thought about this guitar part a lot because I think it really is important, but I'm not quite sure if it's if it's right um of all the elements of this song that i've listened to it's that part that's kind of bugging me a bit for some reason i don't know why i don't know whether it's it it's something to do with the way it works with the vocal i don't know i don't know i don't know if it's to do with the way it was played or the way i i've tried re-recording it it did still it was the same so there's something something about it that i can't quite put my finger on i'm not sure that might might be something we have to look at it's i mean it's not not a part i'm really attached to but equally if you get rid of it completely it's i thought it might just be a case of getting rid of it completely but i think it it, it needs something well that's something something we'll have to look into um to take the song forward i mean at the moment it's in there it's a bit of a i wouldn't say it's a lazy part because that's you know sometimes simple things can be the best but it's certainly um certainly didn't take a lot to come up with oh i'll just play the chords in power chords on a guitar yeah i think maybe that's where i'm at with my thinking is kind of it's it's quite obvious in this way you say you just kind of copied the chords and and it's good but then so then i'm thinking oh maybe we can do better as musicians but then you kind of try a load of a bunch of other things and nothing quite does the job and then you end up going actually maybe the whole the reason it was actually quite good is because it was so simple and it didn't try and be something that it's not and didn't try and overcomplicate things so these are the beauties of kind of progressing with the song i guess you try little things out you end up realizing there was a reason why you did something in the first place maybe yeah maybe or maybe that part will last for course i quite like the simplicity of the song in terms of kind of the arrangement of it it's, you know very few chords going on but i think there could we be a bit more intricate a bit more uh selective with the parts that build on top of it maybe we could so i've got that i've got another another guitar part which kind of plays uh on the offbeat which sounds like this Again, that's something where I need to decide 
decide how to use it basically um i have had it running through the whole song and i don't think it sounds that great i've had it coming in at certain places and sometimes it sounds good sometimes it's either getting lost a bit or um yeah it's a really interesting track uh that one is it it's a good example of one that you wouldn't even really know it was there when you got a first listens if what i i whenever i receive a track from jack as a kind of demo i'll listen to it and then i'll kind of go through and solo the tracks one by one or maybe solo a few together and just see what's going on uh and this second guitar part was one I, i'll admit i didn't even really notice it was there but then but it was one of those where when you, as soon as you take it away you realize it's not there um, and on its own, it sounds quite. It doesn't sound anything like the rest of the song. In a lot of ways, it almost sounds like um, a kind of quite happy, um, like la- lazy Sunday morning uh, <laughs> yeah. acoustic guitar piece or something. Um, but it's, I think what why it's so why that works because it provides that high end brightness to the guitar. Yeah, part. I think that was um, the intention. Um, it's it's still quite distorted, but it's not it's not power chords. It's, it's like crunchy, it's, isn't it's it? O- Rather open than chords. Distorted, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the chorus, in particular, is supposed to be musically anyway a kind of release, a bit brighter, um, without being too happy. Hmm. So again, something that might just need tweaking or rethinking. But the basic premise is is there. And it's a good yeah. I mean, it's it's placeholder as I keep saying. It's, it's serving a serving a function, and then I guess the other parts are mainly synth parts, um, which is something I always enjoy doing. You're sort of getting into the um, what's the word that people always use? Um, ear candy. Yeah, I hear that word jotted uh, banded around a lot oh, right. these days. Like, so you've added the main parts, and then you you're adding in interest in the form of kind of bits and bobs here and there. Ear candy. Yeah, I like um, it. Um, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's what it is. It, it just keeps the song interesting and and evolving. And Yeah, so, I mean, especially, I mean, I think one of my strengths, one of your strengths is, uh, particularly at the end of songs, when everything's playing um, and just getting all these little melodies and counter melodies, um, when the song sounds at its fullest, um yeah obviously you the risk is making it too messy and too full but uh trying to fill every single yeah hertz of the sound spectrum <laughs> which i think is why at the end when you've deliberately got a, a kind of climax to a song it works but throughout the song that's probably not what you want yeah so you've got this track called this is another simp sound called mcgubbins <laughs> i'm not sure why And that one kind of dovetails with the original part I played at the start, which was relegated to the end of the song. Uh, It's playing the same thing, but in a kind of less harsh, less shrill way. I've got this little droney thing where I've just been messing around with the uh, kind of pitch shifter 
uh, yeah. knob on the uh, on my synth. Um, I've been adding a lot of kind of droney things lately to songs. And I think yeah, these are all kind of these synth sounds are very. They've got a element of harshness to them, but not in like not in a bad way. Um, and a kind of yeah, futuristic almost spacey. Well, I guess you just get that from kind of this, that's what a synthy type sound will, will bring you. But it's it all builds up that that feeling. It, it's uh, it's taking the song in a certain direction. Exactly. So this all builds up, and then at the end of the song, I've started taking it apart again. Uh, got rid of the core elements, the drums, the the guitar, most of the guitar, and just let all these kind of nicer, higher-end sounds continue, including the uh, foggy synth, which is kind of key throughout, and let them kind of drift, mm. drift away one by one. I don't know if it's a bit gratuitous to have kind of have it all a bit indulgent maybe to have it all play on for as long as it does but having said that of all the songs I've written that do that I think this one maybe warrants it a bit more no yeah I really I really like how it, it does that and we'll see how it fits in with the album I guess but I can imagine it more on an album maybe yeah you know I, I imagine if, if it's on the if it ever gets played on the radio DJ, yeah. feel free to oh, DJ, cut DJ off will be cu- cutting talk it over off the end. Chorus <laughs> yeah, but um, in the radio edit, that's fine. But I think for the album version, it could be quite nice to have. I like it on albums when you have songs that slowly fade out and slowly bring back in. You know, it's it's all part of adding to that experience of uh, of an album that isn't just track stop, track stop, track stop. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I'm sure I could name countless songs that do similar things where strip back all the harshness of it i guess or most of the harshness um mm. and just let me the progression the chord progression do its thing yeah I, I like that and that was all part of the kind of contrast of rough and smooth i suppose but i think we both want to incorporate yeah so that's that's pretty much it music wise oh, i found another little percussion thing just found called airbag pop which I think I just had a little plastic bag full of air, um, like a sandwich <laughs> bag or something, and popped it. Uh, so that is... Oh, cool. That just enhances the snare. Uh, so I guess it's probably sounds a bit a bit louder or a bit harsher, um, but a bit less like a drum. So it couldn't have, couldn't have just the airbag, I don't think. It's, it almost adds a bit more of a, a synthetic sound to the drum. So that is that is the track musically. Like I say, I have lyrics to this. Again, placeholder lyrics in terms of I've got a few things that I'd like to change. Demo lyrics, yeah. Demo lyrics. Um, I guess lyrics, like any, any other part, are 
something that you need to be a bit careful with in that if you put them down uh, on a on a demo then you can get quite attached to them and you can um, kind of forget to change them even if you're intending to um, but yeah. I, I wrote lyrics to a song and I did a vocal take uh, it was literally one vocal take so there was loads of mistakes in it <laughs> so I'm not I'm not gonna um, play it to you now I think it's probably one of uh, the better ones I've done in terms of kind of suiting my voice yeah I would definitely say so um However, this will hopefully segue nicely into something we want to talk about uh, more on the podcast, which is vocals. We've we're still undecided where we want to take the album in terms of if and how we record vocals. It feels like a bit of a roadblock, doesn't it? Yeah, that we've we've hit a bit of a wall. We have hit a bit of a wall. But if you would like to uh, <laughs> learn more about this wall and how we intend to get over it, then definitely listen to the next episode. Because I, I imagine it's yeah. a problem that uh, quite a few people want to be music makers have if they're not kind of mm. natural superstar singers. Yeah, and maybe it's something, if, if you're looking at it from an outsider's point of view, maybe you just think, oh, people just know straight away how they're going to sound and what if you know, if they're going to be a vocalist. and is that so? But maybe it isn't. Maybe it is something that people do wrestle with. I'd, I've definitely heard people... Uh, various artists especially so um producers who uh, solo producers uh talk about how they've wrestled with this topic so yeah we thought it was too much to cover just here so we're going to do the next episode and tyler we're going to start talking about vocals uh and how you know what what why are vocals so important what do and how do you go about figuring out how you're going to use vocals in a track because it's it's not something that should be taken lightly it's going to I mean, I guess that's why we're so hesitant to make any quick decisions on it because it's it's going to shape the album probably more than any other element, you could say, arguably, depending on how we use it. <laughs> yeah, if we decide to include vocals, then invariably the vocals tend to be one of, if not the biggest thing on any given track. That's uh, just the way that... Uh music works the music goes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so tune in yeah tune in next time um to uh, to hear us t- start talking about that subject and and trying to figure out on air how the hell we're gonna progress with that uh, that side of things but yeah we, uh, it's gonna be an interesting point in this album journey i think it's gonna be a a real uh, a turning point turning One point yeah so yeah that was um hopefully that was kind of interesting for you listening out there uh we did promise we would play some more music so uh, that's what you got we got a breakdown of of the process and we've been trying to use a lot of the things that we've been speaking about in previous episodes i guess that song obviously is still a way off being finished but we like it it's kind of the sound that we think could be reflected on the album as a whole so we'll keep you updated on how it progresses and post some more stuff online and uh, you can see how it's going on thanks again for tuning into this episode of the tune lighting podcast just like to say take, we'll take this moment to say thanks very much to uh, all the people that have written in to us either by email or on social media i know when we started this process we joked about how we didn't care if anyone listened. It was all about just holding ourselves to account so we could make this album. But uh turns out that quite a few people have started listening. So yeah, thanks a lot for all your kind words. It, it does mean a lot. 
Uh, and we hope that uh, episodes such as this have been useful and well the whole podcast really if you haven't already please do give the podcast a subscribe and uh, give us a rating if you don't mind on itunes that would really help uh, boost us up the rankings as always and uh, yeah drop us a message on uh, social media twitter and instagram we're at tune lighting if you, you have any questions or comments see you next time